fuss and cutting a rug, but I, I'm just so excited about what God is going to do in this new year. And the question isn't, God, what am I supposed to do? The real question we should be asking is, Lord, what is it that I'm supposed to believe? Now, in a culture that is inundated with activity and the grind, and you've got to create more, and you've got to make more, and you've got to do the do. I mean, it's become a slogan for a soda commercial. You know, like all these different things. I'm here to tell you, it's not more of doing, it's what you need to believe. Because how do you guys know that what you do, your activity, is the result of what you believe? And so we want to go into the new year changing our belief system about God, about each other, about how we see things. And we're partnering with the Freedom Center. We're actually telecasting this service to Michigan um, today. They're going to hear this message. And I want to say to my mom, and I want to say to everybody that is there, we're so glad that you're joining us today. And I'm going to do my best to look at the camera as much as I can. Hopefully that camera's on. I don't know which one I'm supposed to be looking at. That one, okay. I'm just so glad that... um, Hi, Mom. Just saying hi. Anyways, I want to read scripture to you guys today. Begin with John 14, 6. It says this, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I remember the first time I had an inner healing session. Now, before you get out your crosses and garlic, I want you to know that inner healing isn't this weird, spooky thing, but rather it's this journey of learning who I am before the Lord and Him speaking to the broken parts of who I am so that I can be whole. Like, I'm on a journey of wholeness. Like, I'm on a journey of knowing God. And the closer and the more you know of God, the more you realize you don't know God. You know what I mean? There's so much more of him. There's a deeper, there's a backing, there's a calling, there's an ache within me to grow. I want to be the best husband and the best father that I can be. Because that translates into every other relationship that I have. So I remember being in this inner healing session with this older lady and this older man, and they were married, and and um, they, I mean, you walked into the room, and I just felt the presence of the Lord. They were just facilitating. And I remember I had all of these questions, And I remember asking these questions, but then they would answer my questions with questions. And I was like, come on, man, like I'm paying all this money for answers and solutions and you're asking me more questions. But I didn't realize at the time that the best way to find truth is just beyond a good question. And how many guys know that there's a difference between truth and answers. There's a difference between truth and solutions. And they were leading me in this place. In fact, I remember some of the questions that they had asked because they impacted my soul. They impacted my journey as a Christ follower, not just as a pastor. I mean, I was a, I was a, a young adult pastor at the time uh, years ago, and I remember um, th- that it impacted my journey with Jesus. I started to hear God's voice. You see, I had some challenges. How many of you guys know your pastor has challenges? I had some issues, and, and I felt like if I took a day off, or I didn't answer my phone, I wasn't enough for everyone. I wasn't earning my keep. And I won't forget this. Holy Spirit asked this through this beautiful lady. Her name was Phyllis. She said, Adam, who is it that you're trying to impress? I remember the next question that that she had asked, what is it you're trying to prove? And the final question, why are you 
so afraid. Those three questions messed me up. I mean, tears were flowing down my face, and now I realized why she was asking questions to my questions, because they opened the door for me to encounter truth and be confident in the voice of God. So I want to put a pause on my inner healing session. We're going to come back to it at the end. Let's just pray. God, I thank you that you are so good that you want us to hear from you. You're not holding anything back. You are a generous father. And so I pray, God, those in Michigan and those in this room, that all of us, God, would hear your voice today. And you'd open our hearts, Holy Spirit, and lead us to the person, and his name is Jesus, truth. Take us on a guided tour in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. So what's really interesting is when you read the Gospels, um, you will see that Jesus was asked a ton of questions. I mean, this is the Messiah. And so we, as people, as humanity, had a ton of questions. And what you'll see over and over again, over 150 plus times, Jesus responds to a question with another question. He doesn't actually give solutions or answers. He actually answers his people's questions with another question. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the most important questions that Jesus asked in the next, in the next few weeks and let Holy Spirit lead us to encounter the person and his name is truth. And so today's question for those of us, we may be that, that are in the middle of a storm. You may be in a storm, a, a kind of a storm or a challenge or a trial or there's something that seems impossible to overcome, or there's something unknown that has shaken the foundations of your life, I'm talking to you today, and we're going to look at a question that Jesus asked, and it was this, why are you afraid? Why are you so afraid? So I want to unpack Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. This is the, the crux of our message today. And I want to give you some context. Jesus is gaining popularity. He's done miracles. He, he's healed people. He's preaching. His following is growing by the thousands. And he's in a boat with his disciples off the shore preaching. The boat was his platform. The boat was his table or his pulpit. And suddenly he says to his disciples, we're done here, we're going to go to the other side and preach the good news, and the boat becomes a sermon illustration. His platform suddenly becomes a sermon illustration for those people, for his disciples, and for us today. So here we are, it says, on that day when evening came, he said to them, and I'm just going to read through this once and then unpack it. He said, let's go over to the other side. Verse 37, and there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was where, church? He was in the stern. He was in the back of the boat, a boat asleep on the cushion. Everybody say cushion. <clears throat> How many of you guys know you got to invest in a good cushion? I'm telling you. I love my pillow. It's, it's pretty amazing. And they woke Jesus and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're dying? We're perishing. And Jesus gets up, he rebukes the wind, and he says, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he looked at his disciples, and he said, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Verse 41, last scripture, they became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea, man, physics obey him. 
the atmosphere, the stratosphere obeys this guy. Jesus asks a very profound question, and I want to ask you guys today, all of us that are in the middle of a storm or challenge or trial, why are we afraid? Now, I don't know about you. How many of you guys have ever been in a sinking boat before? Now, I'm not talking like you're in your rowboat in your pond in your backyard and your pond is like six feet deep. I'm talking like you're in the middle of a sea. You've been in a boat that was sinking. Anybody in the house? Oh, wow. Wow. Was it scary? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never experienced that, so I, I wouldn't even know what it's like to be in a sinking boat. But I want you to imagine for a moment. I want to come through this again. In verses 37, it says, And there arose a fierce gale of wind. So it was a violent storm, so much so that water started filling the boat. Now, I want to pause for just a moment, because Jesus is in the back of the boat sleeping, on his cushion, and you've got fishermen afraid. You got, I want to, because sometimes when we read the scriptures, I've got Uncle Buck on the brain for some reason. I got to, but if I could, oh, you know, it's that scene. All right. Sorry. But I, I you got to get this today. Like these, this wasn't their first rodeo to a storm. These are seasoned fishermen, so it scared enough out of them to wake up Jesus. This was a different kind of storm. This wasn't the kind of storm that they're used to. This is a storm that just came out of nowhere, and they literally thought that they were going to die, that they were going to drown, and they looked at Jesus, and how many of you guys can relate? Jesus is taking a cat nap. How many of you can relate? Your life is on the line. Your reputation, your career, your family. Stuff isn't breaking through. I'm in this cycle. And Jesus, where are you? I, I don't know how else to paint a picture. I was going to have some uh, thunder and lightning sounds playing in the background because I wanted you to see the need that they were in. It wasn't just like we read the scriptures and we go, oh, that's really nice. What's their problem? They don't have faith. Why are they afraid? Jesus is with them. Jesus is with us, and yet we're afraid of our future. And this isn't your first rodeo. If you're older than two, you've experienced another year. Why are you so afraid? And so they're, they're, they're dying, and they woke him, right? They wake him up, and notice this. This is something I want to bring attention to, because we're going to come back to it at the end. They say to him, look how they identify him. They say, teacher, teacher, do something. They call him teacher. Don't you care? And then he gets up, and he says, be quiet to the wind and to the waves. And he said to them after he calms the storm, and here's the question, and say it with me, church. He said, why are you afraid? Now, he, he doesn't ask the question because he's disgusted with their beliefs. See, some of us, we put on that lens because of our maybe our fathers in the past or people that have taught us certain things. He didn't say this because he was disgusted with them. He, he wasn't trying to prove them to be less than what they said they were. He wasn't trying to prove them to be wrong and make them feel stupid. You ever been around those people that ask those questions? They're actually poignant questions, but you feel like an idiot. Like, I don't know. I don't know the answer. That's why I'm asking the question, right? He's not saying this to make them feel a certain way. God is trying to help them encounter the truth of who he was. This is why he asks, 
those questions and he follows up with, do you still have no faith? And then they, the disciples, became very much afraid. Take note, more afraid of the man who shut down the storm and the wind and the waves. The one who spoke to it, they were more afraid. Something, there's a holy terror that entered them and they said in the Passion Translation, who is this man who has such authority that even physics obeys him? How can it be that he has power over such things? Well, I did a little research on this text in the Sea of Galilee, which they're in, is about 680 feet below sea level. And so it's kind of like in this bowl, giant bowl. It's a sea in this bowl. And so it wasn't uncommon for violent storms to take place. It wasn't uncommon for gales, a fierce gale, to show up. But this was a different kind of storm. This was a storm that blew up out of nowhere. And it's, I want to point you in this direction. I want you to see that I'm talking about the storms that you didn't foresee coming. The nights you didn't foresee coming. The loss you didn't foresee coming. The the changing of a career you didn't foresee coming. I remember in 2007, um, we were in Michigan and um, I was pastoring. I was a young, uh, young adult pastor at the time. And it was my birthday, August 24th. And we had a Category 4 tornado hit our small little city. Now, there were 20-plus tornadoes that swept across the central part of Michigan. It was hitting different cities. And I want you guys to see these pictures real quick. When I say tornado, it wasn't like, oh, a few trees and a few limbs blew over. These are actual pictures of homes in our city. Um, homes were uprooted and, and, and moved. And, and here's another scene of our community center in Fenton, Michigan, um, the big tree out front was completely taken out of the ground. They called it a state of emergency. We couldn't drive. We couldn't leave our home because the streets were covered in power lines, trees, vehicles. It was insane. I remember the day I'm sitting. It was a uh, early evening and I'm watching the news because all these tornadoes are hitting everywhere and it was only a matter of time. Now, I grew up around tornadoes. I used to chase them after watching Twister. Thought you could chase them. But now I have a family. Annabelle was one years old. Micah was in the oven still cooking. He had six more weeks and he was coming out. And so this was, you know, we were making dinner. And I remember watching Al Kerchak on Channel 7 ABC. And he's talking about it. And then the TV shut off. The oven shut off. And Brooks said, Adam, the oven's not working. And I'm like, yeah, the TV just shut off. And I went outside. It's 85 degrees and sunny. There's not a cloud in the sky. I went out on the front porch. The birds stopped singing. Everything became still. Now, if you grew up, grow up around tornadoes like I did, you know what that means. It was seconds. I turned and looked at Brooke, and I said, get down to the basement. We have basements in Michigan. I'm like, get down to the basement. And as soon as the door closed behind me, it was black outside. It sounded like a freight train. Our house was shaking. The back door, which was just where you go downstairs, like the back door, and there's a downstairs door. I went. The door flung open. I'm trying to grab the door to keep it closed. I watched my grill. I'm like, oh, there goes my grill. I really like that one. And it went into my neighbor's yard. I go downstairs. We hear transformers explode. It's about 20 seconds. And then it was over. That was it. Complete silence. Went upstairs. Trees down everywhere. My neighbor's boat is in my neighbor's tree. I'm not lying. True story. Two houses down. The house was picked up and moved 20 feet from their foundation. It was devastating. It was scary. It was the feeling that these guys are feeling where a storm comes out of nowhere, and what do I do? 
Who do I call? How do I make a phone call? We, back then, we still had hard lines. Anybody remember that? Because our cell phones weren't working because the cell phone towers were damaged by all the tornadoes and our phone lines weren't working. I had to page somebody. <laughs> but you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, this is the metaphor. There's a storm. I don't know what it is for you. It could be you're having the best sales month of your career. And then you find out that your company's laying people off. Or there's these mandates that come in and you have to, <coughs> excuse me, move. Out of nowhere, something is going really good and then transformers explode. It could be your marriage, man. It's been years of, of, of healing or wellness, or maybe it's the opposite. It's not, has been good. It's been cycles of things, and then out of nowhere, it's over. Or out of the years of pursuing and investing in your marriage, suddenly you get a, a diagnosis from, from a doctor. You, they tell you something's going on with your spouse, and it changes everything. It could be your children. I, I don't know. We all love our kids. Man, I love my kids. And, and, and you could be thinking everything's headed in the right direction, but then the truth comes out and they're not doing so good. And you could be doing well, but suddenly all your attention is just on the brokenness of decisions that were made by your children. I don't know what it is, but man, for, for church people, sometimes we're the best at hiding the storms that we're in. We have this false pretense that we need to appear better than we are. And some of us right now, we're, we're looking totally fine. We're hiding behind our smile, and yet we're in the middle of a storm and nobody knows about it. Sometimes we look good on the outside, but we go to bed at night with, angst, with anxiety and anxious thoughts and we cry ourselves to sleep or we, we can't fall asleep because we wonder, when is it just going to be days so that I can just get through this? You see, all of us go through storms. All of us go through trials. All of us go through challenges. And I want to ask as gently as I can today, and I pray that you'll be honest, how many of you right now would say it could be a big one, a moderate one, a small one? It could be one that is coming that you kind of foresee. You see something off in the distance. It could be in the life of someone dear to you that you love. But how many would say right now, you know somebody or you are going through a storm right now? Come on. Yeah, keep your hands up real quick. Just keep them up. Look around. Yeah, you're not alone. Today, Jesus wants to speak to our challenge. He wants to speak to our storm. And what I want to do today is, from this story, is pull this piercing question out. And I want to show you specifically two things. Everybody say two things. Freedom Center, I've got two things for you. How many of you guys know it's a miracle when the pastor says there's only two things? Instead of, when they say six, you know you're in trouble. I got six points today. It's like, oh God, I'm in the middle of a storm. You know what I'm saying? So I've got two things for you to remember when you're in your storm. The first one, if you're taking notes, and if you haven't been taking notes, I want to encourage you. There are students that take notes every single week. Adults, I want you guys to take notes. You're going to heaven if you do. And so, or take pictures, whatever it is. But I hope this is good news to you. Number one, you are in the storm with the presence of God. Some things to remember, some key things to get a hold of. If you're in the middle of a storm, you're in the storm with the presence of God. You're not alone. 
Your storm may be may have blown in from out of nowhere, but you're in the presence of a good dad. You're in the presence of a trustworthy father. You're in the presence of a powerful God, a faithful God today. It says in verse 38 that Jesus was where? He was in the stern of the boat. Matter of fact, he's in the middle of your situation. He's not off in another boat. He's in your boat. He's not off in someone else's boat. He's in your stuff. He's in your home. He's right there and he's got his cushion. How many of you guys know we need a good cushion because I want to sleep through storms like Jesus does, but he's in the middle of your situation. And I believe a lot of people think like, okay, Adam, I've given my life to the Lord. I've said the spell to get me out of hell, man. I, I, I give, I, I tithe, I serve, I'm connected in church. I go to small groups. And I thought the moment that I gave my life to God, that I would be able to avoid storms. Isn't that how it works? I thought I joined the healthy, wealthy, happy club, right? I, isn't that what it is? I'm here to tell you, you couldn't be further from the truth. That... Jesus actually says this in John 16, 33. He says, I've told you these things so that in me, everybody say in Jesus. He says, in me, you may have peace because in this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise I don't like, but that's a promise. It's a fact. You're going to face trouble, but he says, take heart. I've overcome the world. Jesus never promised if we come to him, life will be easy. It will be storm free. It will be trial free. It will be challenge free, disappointment free, discouragement free. No, what he does promise you is that as much as the storm is coming, as much as the storm is filling your boat, as much as the storm will rock you and shake you, it won't sink you, church. You got to hear me today because the reality is often the opposite of our broken theology that no Nothing bad happens to Christians. You got to understand that you're on a battleground between brokenness and restoration, between light and dark, between doubt and belief. Like there is this tension between heaven and earth. And for us to think that in between heaven and earth, life was going to be honky dory is the biggest fallacy that we could embrace in our theology of who God is and what God is about. And what our assignment is. And I'm calling the church to recognize that just because you're with Jesus, we shouldn't believe that we'll never face opposition, we'll never face pain, we'll never face spiritual warfare, because that becomes a distorted message of the gospel. Jesus, who lived the abundant life, was crucified for it. The disciples who followed him, who wanted to be close to this man, who fell in love with this man and his ways, were crucified, burned at the stake, stoned for the abundant life. Church, the abundant life is fought for. It's fought for, man. I don't know who told you that it was going to be easy. Yeah, just do these things and it is easy. No, it ain't easy. The Christian life isn't easy. It's not even difficult. It's impossible. And you got to hear me today because there is someone in the boat with you. God never ever promised you just because Jesus is on the boat that it won't rock you. He promised that it won't 
sink you because God is for you. God is with you and there's nothing that can take you out of the presence of God. Not even fear can take you out of his presence. Church, can you hear me today? Jesus is in the stern. He's in the back of the boat and that's a total game changer. You got to get that as point number one. You are not alone. Everybody say, I am not alone. I want you to think about your storm today. Shoot, dang, I got a minute left. I didn't cuss. I said, shoot, dang, by the way. Everybody say, I want you to think of the storm, the storm that could be coming, the storm that you're in, maybe the unknown that you're facing right now. And I want you to say, I'm not alone. Come on, I want you to think of where, when that, that moment that the transformer explodes and your house is shaking and you're, you're thinking like, is this the end? I want you to say, I'm not alone. Yeah, you're not alone, church. God is with you. And this is a power statement. You got to get this today. This is so important. I don't want to skip over this. Faith doesn't deny a problem's existence. I'm not walking in blind faith. I don't even know why we call it blind faith. I'm walking in faith. You see, faith doesn't deny a problem's existence. It denies a, it, it, the problem a place of influence in our hearts. That's what faith says. Faith doesn't say I'm ignorant of what is happening around us and around me and what's happening in our world today. No, it's I simply choose. Did you know that's a powerful action to choose? The most spiritual activity that any of us can embark upon is making a decision. And you can make the decision to not let fear change the direction of your life. And it's called faith. It doesn't mean that fear isn't surrounding me. It doesn't mean that I'm not afraid. It just simply means that I'm going to be led by faith. It means I'm going to be led by the one who's in my boat, the presence of God who is with me. And you got to get this today. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Power statement on the screen. Don't ever let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And I pray you find comfort in this first point that no matter what you're going through, that you are in the storm with the presence of the Almighty. Second thing, and I want to invite Isaac forward. And I got to land the plane. How many guys would give me two more minutes? Anybody in the house? Freedom Center, two, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16. Great. All I need is 16 more minutes. <laughs> number one, you're in the storm with his presence. And number two, you're in the storm for his purpose. You're not alone. And there is always purpose to be found. These are things to remember when you feel like you don't have an ounce of strength to give. When you're on the last of the last. That Jesus is with you. And that there's purpose to be found. There's something to be found. There's a gift to be found in the middle of my storm. It was Jesus' idea who said, let's go to the other side. Whose idea was it? At the very beginning, we read in verses 35, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, let's go to the other side. So that would lead us to believe, because I think some of us with our broken theology think that if a storm is happening in my life, I must be doing something wrong. I must not be dotting every I, crossing every T when it comes to the kingdom of God. I'm facing all of these challenges. I'm facing all of these storms. And I'm here to tell you this is not true. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. And then they encountered a storm. And so I don't know what you believe. I don't know where you are. Because some of you guys will be thinking, oh, great. You know what Adam believes? He, he believes that in God's sovereignty, he allowed the storm. Jesus causes the storms of our lives. That's not what I'm saying. That couldn't be further from the truth. This is profound. Don't miss it. This may be the greatest thing I say today besides reading the scriptures of Jesus. Storms 
happen. And sometimes we try to explain it and we create our own theology around it. Man, stuff happens. Loved ones die. Jobs end. The brokenness of humanity is all around us. Storms happen, man. And, and, and once you can get off the high horse of having a theological debate on who caused the storm, why the storm is here, and just realize that every storm in your life has the opportunity to do an incredible work within us so that we leave that storm changed. So that we leave that storm different. So that we leave that storm with a greater understanding of who Jesus is. I believe with all my heart that's why James could write something so powerful, the brother of Jesus in James chapters 1, verses 2. And you guys know this scripture, but I just want to unpack it as we land the plane here. It says this, Consider it pure joy. In other words, move your heart and mind to a state of worship within your soul so you can experience the joy God has promised you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. I love how the Passion Translation reads. It says, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can Man, Jesus can be something to us in the middle of our storm that he can't be to us outside of our storm. And James calls us to this place, this ridiculous idea of rejoicing in the middle of our storms. Why? Because you know, he says, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. Come on, church. Somebody needs to testify. Somebody needs to see that it's time not to get your, 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 your brokenness on. It's not time to get your complaints on, man. It's time to get your joy on. It's time to find Jesus because he's in the boat with you. The purpose to be found in the storm is a deeper connection with Jesus. There's purpose to be found in your trial if you stop avoiding it. There, there, there's, there's purpose to be found in your pain if you stop avoiding it. The goal of life was never to live a pain-free life. I don't know who fed us that. This is not our goal. And we need to punt this idea out of our belief system that God's ultimate core value is to ensure our comfort. That was never his heart. His heart was that you would know him and love him and need him and depend on him and see him rightly. He wants to be the strong one in your relationship. He wants to be the overcomer in your relationship. He wants to be the healer in your relationship. He wants to be the rescuer in your storm. And that's what he was leading these disciples, his fellow brothers, Two, power statement, God needs to make you bigger on the inside more than he does on the outside. So back to my inner healing session, right? And I paused it and I said, we're going to end with that. You guys still here? Because I asked you for 16 and I've only taken six of the 16. All right. When the person who was leading me asked those questions, um, I 
felt like a door started to open when they asked specifically that question, why are you so afraid? You see, I said there was a difference between truth and answers. I was searching for answers when Jesus all the while wants us to encounter truth. You see, truth is the vehicle to your solution. Truth is what opened the door of my heart to see why I was working so hard, running so fast, fear of rejection, fear of failure. Why are you so afraid? I cared so much about what others thought of me. I cared so much about what others thought of me to a place that it would paralyze me at nights, at night. I'd find myself trying to do things just because I know they wanted me to be a certain person. And I'm here to tell you I'm different today. I'm still a work in progress. My wife and I constantly, once a year, we actually do inner healing sessions separate and we do counsel together because I want to be the best dad and husband I can be. So I will do it. I will do it. I will continue to grow in faith and hope and love. And so I'm different today. I'm still a work in progress, but I'm not digging a spiritual bunker anymore. I I, I don't have time to to blame or criticize the church for their broken theology anymore. I used to be a skeptic. I used to be a a critical person. And if you are, I don't judge you. But I would, I've been there. I would have been there with a shovel. I'd still be there with a shovel if God didn't heal my heart. And so now I I simply choose to walk in faith. And in that moment of truth for the first time in my life, my faith wasn't in the boat. My faith wasn't in my own strength or my own knowledge or my degrees or lack of degrees. My hope and my faith was in the one who had a cushion in the boat. My faith was in the one who was with me. And the disciples, they weren't there yet. Look what they say. They say, teacher, we're going to drown. At this point in their journey with Jesus, they weren't there. And I think some of us, we're just not there yet. We still identify Jesus as teacher, as success finder, as knowledge giver, as wanting me to be a theologian of his word. And they still call him teacher. I don't know about you, but I've grown from calling Jesus teacher to calling him friend. To sitting right next to him and saying, man, this is what I'm going through. I don't need a a book of information. I don't need a teacher. I need a rescuer. I need a savior. I need a king. I need a Lord. And check this out. They call him teacher. And then Jesus gets up. He still, he, uh, he actually operates outside of what they identified him as. Because a teacher doesn't calm the wind in the storm. The teacher says, let me give you the uh, physics and the uh, reasons why there is a storm here in the Sea of Galilee. We're in a deep, giant bowl of seawater. You know, he didn't get into that. No, he, he stepped out of what they thought he was. And he stepped in as rescuer. And then he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith? And they were terrified. At this point, their relationship with Jesus was just that, a teacher. But later, if you read in Mark chapters 5, as you see them grow, what happens? They stop calling him teacher, and they start calling him Lord. Why? Profound statement. I don't have it on the screen. I wish I did. I wrote it actually this morning. The storm that you are in has the ability to promote your perspective of who God is. 
the storm that you're in is really a promotion to see him differently, to encounter him differently, to know him tenderly, to know him and to know how close he is to your need. Listen, it went from superficial teacher of life, give me answers, give me knowledge, give me the keys to success, to you are Lord of my life, to you are Lord of my heart, to you are Lord of my situation and my storm because you even calm the storm. Church, you got to get this. Our storms give us the opportunity to encounter God in a deeper way. Our storms give us the opportunity to encounter God in a deeper way. He's not just teacher. He's provider. He's not just teacher. He's rescuer. He's healer. He's with you. He's faithful. He's comforter. He's friend. He's father. He's God. And so a lot of us right now, if you're in the middle of a storm and you're a follower of Jesus, I'm going to ask you this today. Why are you afraid? I'm asking myself. Because if we're going to do anything new in the new year, we've got to allow truth to confront the core questions of who we are. Because you're going to face storms in 2022. Wow, that's a bumper sticker. All right? But it's true, man. 2022 has the opportunity to be your best year. Not because it's a new year, but because you've changed your belief system. A new me, a new year doesn't always evolve into a new me. We've, we've experienced that, right? But a new mind will always lead me to a new me. Every single time. And you're here today. I want to remind you that you're in the storm. But the presence of a good friend. And you're in the storm for his purpose. There's, there's a gift in your storm. There's a gift in your need. There's something powerful God wants to give to you today. And as you get to know him, as you get to, to, to endure storms with him, knowing that Jesus is there, something happens while you're in the middle. Suddenly your hope is no longer in your boat. Your hope is no longer in your stuff, in your own strength. Your hope starts to translate being in the one who is the giver of life. You don't need a life vest. You need the author of life. You don't just need any kind of hope. You need the hope of glory. And I'm here to tell you, he is with you. He is with you. In 2022, he's with you. Justin, he's with you. Erica, he's with you. He is with you, man. Halls, he is with you. Daniel, he's with you. Charity, he's with you. Evans, he is with you. Mom, he is with you. <laughs> Freedom Center, he is with you. Prayer team, would you come forward today? And I'm excited about this series, man. I'm excited about looking at all these questions. And I apologize for taking you over 13 minutes. Ha, I ended on time. prayer team comes forward, I, I want to invite you today to just bow your heads and to close your eyes with me today. And if you're here today and you're like, Adam, I'm, I'm in a storm. I'm, it's a hard storm. It's, 
I don't know if I have an ounce of strength. Uh, I need Jesus. I need his cushion because I'm here to tell you, church, your victory isn't found in you speaking to the storm. Your victory is found in you grabbing your favorite pillow and just getting right next to the Father and just trusting his heartbeat and his rest. You're here today and you would say, I need him to be more than teacher to me. I need him to be rescuer. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed and you would simply lift your hand and say, that's me. You're just symbolizing, that's me. Yeah, lift it up and then put it right back down. Yeah, yeah. Father, I just pray for every heart and hand that stands before you honestly and as a truth teller. Help us see you for who you are. We ask for your strength and your power to come. God, I pray for every individual that's walking through a hard season. I pray that they would sense your presence. I pray for divine encounters, God. I pray for wisdom and revelation to fill every heart and soul. God, every decision that needs to be made in the next week or month, I pray for the wisdom of heaven to come. Father, I pray your presence would overwhelm their prayer life and their journal time and their worship time, God, alone with you. I pray just for a greater tangible sense of your presence, God. Fill every heart to overflow. Comfort every broken heart today. Do a work that only you can do, we pray. You are more than just teacher to us. You are Father. And you are close.